Do you remember DBQs from like the fifth grade? Document-based questions. You needed to review some picture or some text or something like that, and then you had to think critically about it with an open response answer to a question. I want to have a little bit of fun here, and let's play a game. Let's do a DBQ right now. Following are two separate news clips from two days back-to-back. Let's listen to them, and then there'll be a question on the other side. So the first one is from WKYT News on August 17th of this year. Tracking, alerting, protecting. This is WKYT This Morning. Good morning and welcome back. Your time now is 6.55 and we want to update you on our top stories before we go. Classes begin today at the University of Kentucky. UK continues to test all 30,000 students for COVID-19. So far, 147 have tested positive. The university is offering a mix of in-person, online and hybrid classes. EKU starts its fall semester today as well. All right, the next one is from NPR's Up First, the very next day on August 18th. So educators said that if students went back to colleges, it would be risky. After only one week of school, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill had four separate COVID outbreaks. Are other colleges watching? Stick with us. We've got the news you need to start your day. Okay, so since the fight over when and whether to open schools during a pandemic started, some educators have talked about a kind of nightmare scenario. Yeah, that's right. It's a scenario where a college opens, then students get sick, and then they immediately have to close. And this is not just an imaginary scenario. This is exactly what happened at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It was open for a week. In that week, 130 students and five employees tested positive. And yesterday, UNC said it is moving to online learning. So based on these two audio clips, what do you think is going to happen at the University of Kentucky at some point after August 18th? Did you say shut down? That's some good critical thinking. For Kentucky Sports Radio and Middle Tech, my name is Nate Antetomaso, and this is The New Normal. To be honest, this is the installment of the series that I'm most scared to talk about. There are so many opinions floating around there about higher education and how they're handling COVID, and there's so many different paths that every institution has taken. They're all different, and everyone has an opinion about them. If you had asked me two weeks ago what I thought about how UK was handling things, it'd be different than it is right now. And hell, it's probably even different when you're listening to this versus when I'm speaking right now. But my opinions don't really matter too much because we wanted to hear from the source. We wanted to talk to people whose literal daily lives and their well-being was being impacted by what UK was doing this semester, both positively and negatively. A college campus is kind of a bubble already. So we wanted to talk to people in it to determine if that bubble is staying clean during the pandemic. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we tried several times to talk to a spokesperson from the university. We were able to engage with UK PR and marketing directly when we were putting this together, but no statement was sent to us or a time to speak scheduled. 
So I guess I get to put my big boy journalist pants on and say they refused to comment for this story. But of course, we didn't stop there. We knew someone who would definitely talk to us. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it back here, and I don't want to make it sound like a you know a pity party or anything, but it, it kind of ruined you know my chance at a, at a, at a hopeful you know, NFL shot. Cash Daniel, the former UK football linebacker, has been pretty vocal about the impact of COVID on athletes of all levels through his Twitter account. The winter sports season last year was cut short, and spring sports were canceled altogether creating a career-ending reality for so many student-athletes whose lives literally revolve around their on-field performance. Cash's biggest fear is that the same reality is going to hit football this fall and hurt his former teammates in similar ways to how it hurt him. He's still in touch with some guys on the team, and things are looking pretty different there as the team tries to battle potential outbreaks while still adequately preparing for this packed SEC schedule they have this year. I wouldn't want to be in there. I know that it's 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 so weird. I mean, they have to go in there. I think by position group to the locker room just to even get changed. Guys are having to wait outside, and then like they go in and change, and they come back out. I know that they're doing virtual meetings still. You know, they've not been able to get the strength and conditioning like like we used to. I mean, like when they were able to work out, I know that they had to do groups of eight and they were only in there for like an hour at tops you know a year ago we were there for you know two and a half three hours a day that training reality really concerns cash by nature no team is able to prepare for the season this year like they've been able to in years past and that modified preparation is making for an interesting season to say the least because i'm actually really actually anxious to see the overall athleticism and strength and size of these dudes this year and what they're able to do because it seems like every year college football players are getting bigger, faster, and stronger at every position. And so I'm wondering without that gruesome grind of a college football strength and conditioning program, a top-tier strength and conditioning program in the SEC or the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, whatever it may be, what kind of effect that had on players' performance. While I could never play on an SEC football team, that last sentence hits me, and I think it's one that everybody who recently went to college could relate with as well. Even off the field, it's a really weird time too. For all college students and for everyone else, and it's a time that every higher education institution is handling differently. Let's not bury the lead here. Colleges are making their decisions this year because of money. It's that simple. Of course, precautions are being taken and the safety of students, faculty, and staff are gigantic considerations. But to be clear, that's not the top priority, no matter what any press release may say. I could write a whole book about higher education in the U.S. and the exponentially ballooning budgets whose costs are increasingly getting transferred to both students and private donors, but we'll save that analysis for another day. The reality is that colleges need money, and if they don't at least try to open in person this year, they can't justify the costs, and then they just won't get that money. Period. So with that in mind, as UK wrapped up its completely virtual spring semester, it set its sights to figuring out how to reopen in person this fall. 
Back in April, they had the New York Times sit in on planning meetings, where three work groups consisting of various stakeholders ranging from students to executives all thought through types of scenarios for bringing people back to campus. Final information was decided on in June, and the university released its official Fall 2020 playbook. After everything shook out, here's where things landed. First, there's no fall break this year, and finals are online after Thanksgiving, and that avoids a there-and-back travel problem where everybody goes throughout the country and then all comes back to campus, which obviously could be a danger. Second is that blanket testing was conducted upon arrival to campus for all students who live on campus. Third, anyone who was coming onto campus but didn't live there had to have a confirmed negative test from within seven days of first arriving to campus. Fourth is that everybody needs to do a daily self-symptom assessment. That's required for all, and it's reporting done via an app. You report if you have any symptoms, if you have a fever, anything like that. You have to do that every single day. Fifth, all students received a kit of uh, personal protective equipment. Everybody got that. Sixth, enhanced sanitation and space modifications were made throughout campus, at dining halls, in residence halls, outside, classrooms, everywhere, and those promote distancing and living and learning spaces being the priority there. And finally, some classes are partially in-person and some are partially online. Of course, some are fully online, but that hybrid model is pretty popular for a lot of classes. Kentucky spent north of $5 million in preparation through all of those um, points, and that includes the PPE, the test units, the plexiglass walls, hand sanitizer, outdoor gathering, and a ton of more installations that they've made. If you read through the playbook, a theme becomes clear. UK expects a culture of concern, accountability, and shared responsibility. They set the community up for success with all these investments they made, but they expect everybody to fall in line, act safely, and keep others accountable to ensure that they are acting safely as well. For some, that seems like an abdication of responsibility, and it's simply not enough. Kari Gardner is a senior at UK, and he's the founder of the Movement for Black Lives. He's been in the news a lot recently for putting up banners across campus and speaking out vocally against some university policies. But we caught him shortly after what you could call a Twitter fight between his organization's Twitter account and the official UK Twitter account. Kari was arguing that the university's reopening plan lacked enough action to ensure that the community continued to be protected throughout the semester. After a back and forth where the university account attempted to poke extremely logical fallacies into his tweets, they responded with the following tweet that says, Interesting that we have more faith in your fellow students than you do. Jay Blanton sent me an email and, you know, an apology, you know, all he said was, he basically came off to the point where, you know, sorry you took it that way. We never want you to take it that way, but not sorry for saying it. Sorry you took it that way. So, you know, I just made it clear that the apology means nothing unless, you know, steps, more steps are taken to protect students. I asked Kari specifically what the university could be doing to make it safer for everybody. And he had a couple thoughts. First, he thought that the fact that the decision whether a class is online versus in-person or a hybrid, the fact that that was up to individual professors was idiotic. So then you have students who have mostly online classes, but they have to come to campus because one professor decided they want their class in person. Second, UK's testing policies irked Kari, and it was the main point of contention between him and the university. 
With all students tested on or shortly before arrival to campus, the goal was to create a semi-bubble. But with faculty and staff not being required to be tested, and students only required to be tested once, can that bubble be maintained or even truly established in the first place? UK's argument is that faculty and staff largely live within the Lexington community, so they are less likely to spread the virus to the community than students traveling to Lexington from around the country. Well, we know enough about the virus and a little bit about epidemiology, and the fact that it's in Lexington already makes you realize that argument doesn't really hold water. There's plenty of people sick in Lexington. That's Matt Heil from United Campus Workers of Kentucky. His colleague Shelby Roberts continued to dig in. While they are providing free testing, which is great, it's not continuous testing. It's not just everything sounds better on paper than it is in real life. Matt and Shelby understand that the university needs to open, but they know it might not be safe. The university is taking a calculated risk in trying to make that happen. But of course they are. They have to take a calculated risk. And while nobody would say everything is being handled perfectly, it would also be naive to say that extreme caution wasn't taken and health and safety wasn't on decision makers' minds. We will take every precaution. Your child will be safe with us. That's Dean Simon Sheather of UK's Gatton College of Business and Economics. He first realized the coronavirus would be an issue on a trip to Milan in February, and he quickly took action when the first case popped up in Kentucky just a couple weeks later. So we went to Costco and bought laptops, cameras, and headsets. And we had 10 days to go from face-to-face to online. More than 250 sections of classes that were face-to-face online. The dean credits the faculty and staff for a successful switch to online learning to end out the spring semester, and he echoes that same sentiment for precautions that are being taken now to bring students back this fall. So we have stickers everywhere. Keep right. We have stickers on chairs saying you can't sit here. We have plexiglass that the professors stand behind when they talk at the lecture. We have movable plexiglass if the professors want to go over and write on the whiteboard. And the students are socially distanced within the classrooms. Now that reduces capacity a lot. He told us that above all, the following mantra is important. So the mantra has the following components. Socially distance, wear your mask, wash your hands. When we asked the dean about the university and how it could be handling things differently to protect students more, he didn't really have an answer, and I really don't think that was too politically motivated. He said the university moves slow to make decisions, but that was probably necessary to ensure those decisions were actually the correct ones. Dean Sheather is a genuine and fun-loving Aussie. He is truly confident that his college and UK as a whole will keep students safe. And he only asks for one thing in return. I hope that we can be kind to each other. This is a really dreadfully difficult time, right? A dreadfully difficult time. So I hope that people give each other the benefit of the doubt. We shouldn't start a fight. We should just try and mediate that so that we all feel like we're part of one family. A kind of gentler place. Perhaps the Dean articulated well exactly what UK is hoping for with that culture of concern, accountability, and shared responsibility.
What about another massive institution in central Kentucky? How is something that we all equate with fall time handling this year? Next week, we'll talk to Keeneland. Stay tuned to The New Normal.